0: Remember swirling together two beautiful colours of paint, only to achieve something the colour of, well, poop? Welcome to Season 4 of the Essential Stepmom Podcast, where we'll explore why blended is not the right word for this. Hi there, I'm Tracy and this is the Essential Stepmom Podcast. Your source of unconventional advice and inspiration for the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Is it really an art? You bet, nobody pops out of the womb with an instinct for step-parenting. It's something you practice and get better at, like anything else. And if you found this podcast, it means you're smart enough to look for someone who's been practicing the moves for a long time to stand in your corner, and coach you through it. I'll share my wins, my missteps, and my analysis of what worked for my family over the last 14 years, and why it could work for you too. If you like this stuff, don't forget to subscribe, and you can get more of me at essentialstepmom.com. did that as kids, you know, mix the watercolors together until we got some variation on a theme of brownish gray. Yeah, some colors blend beautifully, and others just don't. It's not their fault. Red and green don't blend well, but they complement each other perfectly on a traffic signal. Blended family has become a kinder, gentler synonym for the word step family, But the truth is, you can't always blend things together. It would be nice, but you know, the reality of pledging your troth to a man with children is that it doesn't have to include aspiring to blend. Where does this idea of the blended family come from, anyway? First of all, it's an attempt at getting away from the term step family. It's light and fluffy, it sounds like a big camp-cabin-style hug. It's the stepmom equivalent of the white picket fence, your daydream of an ideal family dynamic, everyone fitting in, feeling at home, embracing all these former strangers as bona fide members of the new family unit. In French, by the way, they say famille recomposée, which means a family remade, rebuilt, rearranged with new things. It's actually quite a dignified way of saying what a stepfamily is, but it doesn't translate well into English. The best we can seem to do is blended family, but that term holds a kind of directive. It's an unconscious blueprint of what the thing is supposed to look like. It's like a highlight reel of a thousand beautiful weddings where the stepkids light a unity candle before they're receiving their own rings to signify that we're all one big family now. The problem is, I know about a thousand stepmoms who would cut off an arm to have that experience of family life. It's not the reality for most of us. Let's talk about that original prototype of the blended family, the Brady Bunch. If you've never actually watched any of this 70s TV series, which by the way was totally my jam as a preteen, check it out because it's a hoot. But not one thing about that show is rooted in any kind of reality. For starters, this family has a live-in housekeeper. Everything would be easier with someone doing all the cooking and laundry, don't you think? And she dishes out such down-to-earth life advice. What a lifesaver, that Alice. Secondly, the dad, Mike Brady, is a widower, which changes the blending game by about a thousand percent. His boys have lost their mother, and somehow they never mention her. They just move on, calling their dad's new wife mom. They've just pulled up their socks and put their loss behind them. Very tidy. And what about Carol Brady, the stepmom? Turns out that she was supposed to be divorced in the script, but the network didn't want that to be explicitly mentioned in the storyline, so they just sort of stepped around it. So these three Brady girls, they have a dad out there somewhere who's just been erased from their lives. They have a new dad and a new surname, and they're all just a okay with that, all of them, no problem. None of the storylines in the show are about actual step-family problems like parental alienation, loyalty conflicts, custody issues, child support payments, or overstepping. No, they're just normal family problems of a household with six kids. Uh, Did I mention that the three girls share one bedroom, as do the three boys? What if there had been two girls and a boy on one side of the family and one girl with two brothers on the other side? Would they have been okay with sharing a bedroom with this new sister or brother? For better or worse, this series ended in 1974, so we won't be seeing them tackle any of these issues anytime soon. I think it's too easy to get caught up in the idea of blending when what we maybe should be aiming for is mending. I think a mended family would be a great thing indeed. If you made it your business to mend instead of blend, what would change for you? For one thing, you could probably stop trying to jam your one-of-a-kind square-peg family into a round hole. You could relax about trying to make it look and feel like a regular nuclear family. You'd have a much higher mission than that for your family, one that includes helping your partner and his or her kids to really heal from the trauma of divorce or separation. It would be that much easier to find your place in the family because the thing that mends that trauma is the rock-solid security of their connection with dad or mom, as the case may be in your family, even though he or she doesn't live with them all the time. You'd know for sure that... Your place is beside your partner, but not ever between them and their kids. It would be easier to connect to a sense of mission and purpose for your family. Those are fancy business words for where your family is trying to go and why you want to get there. We don't spend enough time having those kind of conversations, and I think we should. It's one of the things people appreciate about the coaching experience. You get to work out your big why. And that can make all the difference to your daily experience of life satisfaction. I can't overstate the importance of knowing where you want to go. And many of us don't even really know that. I can tell you I was like that once upon a time. Back when I got divorced, I only knew what I didn't want. I didn't want to be unhappy. I didn't want to feel stressed or devalued or hopeless anymore. But I had no idea at all how to articulate what I actually did want. Where was I going and why did I want to go there? I read a book back then that really helped me reconnect with my own creativity and with my deepest desires for myself. It's called Simple Abundance by Sarah Ban Breathnach. I keep picking up copies of that book when I'm browsing used bookstores and passing it along to other women who I think could use her warm advice. I'll link it in the show notes if you'd like to check it out for yourself. If we focused more on mending than on blending, it would be so much easier to understand our stepkids' behavior. We'd see all the acting out for what it is. Big emotions that they don't know how to express any other way and we wouldn't be so likely to take it all personally. Our partners would have an easier time dealing with that too because they wouldn't feel caught between you and their kids. It would be obvious how to respond if we looked at things as part of the mend than as a failure to blend. When you have your most important values in front of you in a conscious way, it makes it so much easier to pick your battles. You pick the ones that really matter instead of the ones that you have energy for in the heat of the moment. You can see when you're just allowing something to distract you from your real mission, just buying into a distraction like we do all the time with drama and gossip or shopping or scrolling. You might even have different important values for your family than you have for yourself, and that's okay. You are not your family. You're a part of your family. It would be a little weird if your values were actually at odds with the ones you and your partner have together. That's not actually a recipe for matrimonial harmony. But you're allowed to have personal goals and dreams in addition to those you have for your family. Brene Brown suggests forcing yourself to choose just two core values. She calls them your founding principles. If you have more than two, It starts to get harder to keep them in front of you all the time and to refer to them for helping you make even small decisions on a daily basis. Her advice is aimed at leaders in a business context. But parents are leaders too. And this is just as important in the context of family leadership. Think about which of these words would make the cut for you. Honesty? Obedience? Generosity, loyalty, competence, service, hard work, piety, compassion. There are others, of course, but these are just a few to get you started. This is a great exercise, by the way. Take a few minutes and write out all the values that are important to you and then figure out which two the ones you can't imagine living without. You might find that sometimes your values can even be in conflict with each other if you're not clear about your mission, where you're trying to get. Imagine, for instance, that you choose honesty and compassion as your most important values. What happens when you have to decide whether to tell your stepkids something about their mother that would be upsetting? Is it compassionate to tell them? Is it more important to be truthful? It depends on the outcome you want, on where you really want to get. You have to decide which value best supports your goals in the best and highest way. Not easy, but at least you have a kind of a roadmap instead of either acting on impulse or on a hunch. The word mending has a kind of forgiving flavor to it, a kindness about it that I really like. It's not like repairing or fixing or rehabilitating. Mending doesn't require that something be broken. It might just be a little frayed at the edges. It's a bit of loving care, setting something right, giving it a nudge, laying on a patch. You get to mend yourself, too, of course. The mending is constant, and everyone deserves your attention, including yourself. You'll be constantly mending your relationship with your partner as well. And when you're at least aware of each other's important values, because you make time to talk about stuff like that, you won't have to deal with feeling disillusioned with life. That's what happens when you feel like your unconscious core values are being ignored or stifled. My own mended family is doing quite well these days, and yet the mending goes on. It never stops. There's never a point at which you say, there, that's it. All the step family problems are over. I'm aware how lucky we are that we can now deal with the problems of life instead of the problems of custody or alienation or long-distance drives. The nature of our challenges has changed, but the fact is that we're not a traditional nuclear family, and that's never going to change. Some days, we'll have weddings to deal with and decisions about how to deal with estranged family members. And one day, hopefully, there will be grandkids who may have to be shared in three or even four directions. That's the reality of step-family life. It gets easier in many ways, but there will always be complications. Nothing's perfect, but it can always be mended. That's all for this episode. If you're enjoying this, remember to subscribe wherever you're listening. Did you know that we're being heard in 48 countries now? There are other curious, forward-thinking stepmoms like you in every corner of the world, and you can help them find us and join our community by leaving a rating or a review. That's how this podcast will pop up when they search stepmom advice. Someone did that for you, you know, so pay it forward. I also have a little Facebook tribe which I guard against bashing like a pit bull with lipstick. It's a friendly, 100% positive place. And if that's what you've been looking for, we'd be glad to have you there. Just send a join request to The Spectacular Stepmom. Personal one-on-one support is available by visiting my website, essentialstepmom.com.